going on everybody 360 digital closing bell here i am your humble humble correspondent michael tanner joined for our weekly look back podcast here in this beautiful april 10th joined live from an undisclosed location here in denver and as always joined live from an undisclosed location in dallas executive producer of the show director and publisher of oil and gas 360 Stu turley how are you doing man I'm doing fantastic. I'm worn out this week. Our news desk has blowed up, as they say in Texas. Yeah, no, we have had a large amount of stuff, We've, but it's been so good. And I'm fired up to do this podcast because there's just so much stuff has happened this week. And I need to, I, I just need to, a lot of stuff I got to get off my chest, most likely. Um, we have, really have a great show lined up. We're going to first start out going over um, in a report that was dropped by Inverness that was really sort of a holistic market approach, a market outlook for the next couple months. We were able to deep dive then that article with Bernadette Johnson and Oil and Gas 360 Energy Network podcast shameless plug for the new podcast that just dropped um we're gonna go dive into the week in review opec rumors holy smokes that was a roller coaster of a day we'll check the levels for eia and the oil price levels tomcat was back last week fang with a winner this week he's got a new pick for us we will check in on that but before we get going i need to just get a couple some clerical work out of the way please if, if you're not subscribed to the show on itunes spotify youtube uh, Twitter at Intercom, please stop what you're doing, pause the show, finish it, but pause it, go subscribe, please give us some love, rate, review, subscribe, do whatever, make the algorithms go great, we really appreciate it. You can interact with us at the show, Oil and Gas 360 on LinkedIn, Intercom on LinkedIn, Michael Tanner, search me on LinkedIn, Stu Purley, message him on LinkedIn. We had great reaction to last week's show, and I actually got some, we, you know, we got a little proprietary research that I, I want to share with you guys, but I'm still working through how best to you know, keep it all underground. So I, that's probably coming sun, or you're on Monday. So stay tuned for that. I'm working through. Uh, the Energy Expert Network has also launched great new interviews. Landox, um, Stu, you just dropped last night. Great interview. Yes, absolutely. It's already got uh, nice reviews out there and a lot of views. And, 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 and as we will get into, we had draw, uh, there was an interview that um, Aaron, the president, uh, Aaron Vanderford, the president of Intercom, um, and Stu and myself were able to sit down with Inverness and Bernadette Johnson to talk about some of this market outlook. And that's, and that's really what I just want to start off with. And, and really, before I get into maybe my thoughts on it and, and where I sort of see this going, I want Stu, he, he, he did, you know, he does, he, I think he's going to do a really good job of giving you an overview if you missed that interview, what sort of some of the highlights were and then some of that stuff from that article. Oh, you bet. Hey, thanks, Michael. Uh, you know, uh, first, if anybody doesn't know who Inverus is, they know their stuff. They're data oriented. Yep. Uh, they've got about 7,000 uh, employees. They're in uh, 50 different countries. They're data, data, data. And if you want to know anything, if you're going to make a decision, uh, do it with data. And if you're going to have data, have Inverus. So with that, uh, Bernadette is one of the most knowledgeable folks out on the She's planet. Brilliant, brilliant. Isn't she crazy? Oh, she is. She, she just is a so quick on the trigger with a lot of these numbers, and it's really impressive for somebody who sits and does these podcasts. I have, I mean, I have no, no one sees this. I've got four screens of research that I need just to get all of these numbers straight. She was just able to bing, bang, boom. And I wonder why you had that kind of silly look on your face when you were sitting there. That's the first time I've ever seen you with your mouth open going, holy smoke, somebody smarter than me. 
I, no, I, I, I've run into people smarter than me all the time. My mouth was, yeah, because she was unbelievable. And oil was actually going nuts towards the end of it. So I was trying to see if I could swing. And then, as you can see in that interview, I cut it at the end there. It was unbelievable. Which was very cool, by the way. Well done. Thank you. Um, you know, when, when you take a look at the market that we have right now, we have the demand slashed. Uh, we have the prices uh, so then we have the production overdone. We have the full amount of storage. Yep. And as you and I talked about in the closing bell, they're even trying to stuff um, uh, anchors into uh, rail cars. Yeah, unbelievable. And the law says they can only put them in for 48 hours, and they're like kind of forgetting that they're there. So um, you take a look at that entire mash. And she was saying that it's going to be Q4 before anything starts to normalize in that area, except what you talked about the other day was the Marcellus gas and gas could get up to $4. And if gas gets up to $4 on that natural gas, the uh, Marcellus is a good play. Hint, buy Intero resources. I didn't know. We don't give investment advice. We don't give investment by, but you nailed it because those were going right on up. And that was based off of before our interview with Bernadette. Oh. And uh, so when you take a look at their report, uh, the Haynesville, Utica, yeah. uh, all of the, they really take a look, deep dive on that. So take your time, take a look at that uh, article. It's called The Dark Side of the Boom. And it went out on uh, your earlier podcast as well as it's on Oil and Gas 360 and we've published it out. It got fantastic legs today. It went everywhere. No, and, and really because there's, some, there's a couple crazy things in there that buried deep in this really intense report. First was the fact that Inverness forecast natural gas prices will exceed $4 and could reach $4.50 as early as this coming winter. Now, I don't know if anyone knows, natural gas is $1.74 right now. What? What? That's a lot of green to be made if you really believe these guys. That's a lot of green if you want to start trade. You know what I mean? Their data, is, they got data. Okay. You know, remember that old got milk? Nah, they got data. So yep. um, for, I heard that and I was like, uh, anyway, no, okay. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no worries. It's just, it's just if you, re you know, that's the craziest thing to me. I mean, I'm, I, 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 we don't talk much natural gas on this podcast specifically because that's not my area of expertise when it comes to trading. So I'm just not. I, it's a much more mechanical market the way it trades. Um, it, the, but the it's market, all related, Michael. We're, it is all related, so you have to pay attention to it. But there's a reason we don't necessarily talk about, you know, the levels. Where is it going? That's a much three different, much mechanical market. But really, if you're talking about natural gas being four dollars, you know, you know, not to say, you know, you know, we, I don't, I'm not saying I told you so, but, but really, I thought it was decent, decent advice. Go look at companies who are mainly producing natural gas, specifically out of those areas, and just work backwards. Where Where is the natural gas coming from, and will it be in areas that are going to see this massive contango? And, you know, start buying. You know, I, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, you know we don't give investment advice, but. Here's the other thing. Uh, Bernadette was also saying that if, um, well, if we have the negotiations and the pricing comes back in, 
uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you saw on the news? Because the pricing, if we don't stop uh, the East Como from importing LNG, uh, we got to sell our own uh, natural gas and everything else out there. So why don't, does that make sense? Yes, no, and, 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 and you know, really from a, from a news standpoint, oil's up, down, you know, supply all of this OPEC stuff. And, and really what Bernadette talked about, which I thought was fascinating, is that, you know, rarely have you seen when you overlay rumors versus the news, what that does to the actual oil price. And, you know, it's something we talk about and, you know, and, 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 and as a trader, we always talk about buy the rumors, sell the news. When, when you see somebody like Bernadette at a, at a, at a vice, at, at, an, at a role in Enverness, not saying that, but telling you that's what the data shows. I mean, this just, it, it, it really makes more sense when you look at how these huge swings of oil go. And when we get into, you know, specifically what happened this week in oil and today, holy smokes, um, you'll see that it's just rumor, news, rumor, news. You know, before we get into that, I just want to talk about the, the sort of the second piece that I took out of um, this report was the hedging volumes for 2021. So, you know, hedging volumes are down 60 to 70 percent from 20 to 21 when you talk about and really that's because a couple things one is because now insurance is expensive oil's 23 dollars at the moment markets close and insurance is spicy because guess what they're in the hospital right now oil's on life support and it's trying to ask for an insurance policy raise and the government's like great yeah you can have it but it's going to cost so what you're seeing is companies waiting to hedge to hopefully if these production cuts can come in and this is what you know now we're getting to my speculation i think the reason why the data is confirmed you know the data showing these these hedge volumes low is because companies are waiting for price to come back ever so slightly whether that's via opec cuts U.S. cuts, some sort of SPR buy by the DOE. However, the supply, whether COVID-19 or the coronavirus, um, you know, dissipates maybe a little quicker than people think. Whatever the scenario you think, it, whatever could happen, they're waiting to see that price come back. And then I think you're going to see those volumes spike tremendously because insurance is going to become just a little less. Those premiums on those really, really, you got to sell puts at a high level. And that's, and, and those are where your expense comes in, especially um, if you're either, you know, especially when you're, you're doing callers. So that's partly why I think it's so low, but it's really scary to see because if prices don't come back, you could have a scenario in which prices are so low and companies are unhedged going into 2021. So it's a very, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's what I'm seeing out of this too. It's unbelievable. Unprecedented. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's really crazy. And um, if we went into a 2021 hedge, unhedged, or I mean, not unhedged. There's some volume hedge, but holy smokes, it would be an unbelievable hey, thing. I just had a thought. Last night when I was on the uh, uh, bicycle, the trainer, President Trump again had a question. And the question was, are you going to do anything? And he smiled and said, I already know what I'm going to do. Do I want to? Ooh. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. He said, if I did it, it would be fun. That man is just diabolical with um, business knowledge. It's that, unbelievable. That, I, I have, I mean, and, and what's crazy is I have no idea. I, I can't even think of what that would possibly have, what that would possibly be. I mean, 
I heard a couple. I heard a couple rumors that the DOE was looking at how can we increase storage in the strategic petroleum reserve. Talking about, you know, are we talking about public stakes in some of these dying companies? You know, government stakes. I don't know. I, I it, you know, who knows what? Who knows what? It, this could be interesting, but um, we will be watching that. And I mean, obviously, with any of these, you know, we talk about you know all these predictions, and you know what we're going to do is roll into news here very soon. I just want to mention one other thing about supply along this note is Trump can tweet at any moment and change the market like that. So, um, you know, but before we move into the week, look back at oil and trade, you know, one thing I want to mention along the supply note, because one of the big things that Bernadette and, and this, uh, 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 you know, dark side of the boom um, Inverness report talked about was the oversupplied market. They see, and, and, and Stu, correct me if I'm wrong, in her interview, she mentioned 20 million barrels. That's their expectation? Or 30? Think, yes. And it was you know, 20 somewhere to 30. The interesting part is to, yesterday, Ryan Sitton, who's one of the three Texas Railroad Commissioner, came out with a webinar where he, he, he actually believes the, the, the market is only undersupplied by about 18 million barrels a day. So it's a little more of a conservative route. The issue is he still thinks that number is unbelievably disgusting, which it is. I mean, it's terrible. So, you know, that's sort of, you know, when we whole started this thing in April, what, what, what were the original? I just, because I can hear, I, I know, because I, I, I remember each show we did, because that's just how, how it works. The first one we did, we were talking, you know, four to five million barrels. That, I remember that first, remember we were talking about the Goldman Sachs estimate? I remember, I did a podcast for another provider right after this thing happened. And the big news was right when the podcast recorded that it was four. Three right. days later, it was already 10. I had to amend the, we had to go in and amend the episode. Yes. And uh, I, I think you just went from 23. We had been talking about that 20 to 23. And within 45 minutes, you just went to 30. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it's not 30, but uh, um, whatever the number was, I think, yeah, I think said it was 20 to 23, right? Or what? Oh, yeah. But no, I'm talking, it could be 30. Oh, yes, yes. No, okay, that makes sense. No, it could be, who knows what could happen. And, and, and one of the things she mentioned specifically was that jet fuel is going to come back way slower than a lot of this, uh, than a lot of the regular stuff. And that was one of the big things that I know she mentioned. In there. And she also said it's not going to turn on. Uh, Quick. It's going to be a slow turn yeah, on. Exactly. So. And, and, and And so... You know, that's really, you know, like, like Stu mentioned, if you haven't read the report, please go check that out at Enverness. You can check that out at oilandgas360.com on our LinkedIn. All right. Week look back in trading. As always, this segment is sponsored by the guys at Sandstone Capital Group. I'm telling you, in this market volatility, these guys provide the best research um, and insanely good pricing. Rumor has it they're launching an energy newsletter next week. It's just rumors though, so I, I wouldn't hear anything, but I'm telling you, these guys, they provide all the research for this podcast and some more stuff. Um, they, they have an energy glimpse solution. That's great. If you need help navigating these energy markets or just need, you know, handle what's going on, please reach out Connor at sandstonecg.com or you can give them a call at 949-561-1818, extension two, make sure, excuse me, extension 100. I lied. That's an old thing. I'm using, I, I reuse the, the, the show notes from each episode, a little behind the curtain. And I got to, I got to change that up. Yeah. It's, we change extensions. 101 um, um, is this extension. Um, mention the podcast and I promise you, you're going to get a sweet deal. You got to mention the podcast though. So, you know, you got sent here for me. That's the only way we get credit. 
really when we look at you know the week of oil i think it's best to just sort of walk through what happened and and really it was it was news driven and to be frank with you i you know it was a roller coaster all week today if you were watching the price of oil if we were a cat we'd be dead because i think nine lives was about all i lived today with the different amount of news that dropped Oh my goodness. It was unbelievable. You know, you know, as, as you know, OPEC meets tomorrow or, you know, they met tomorrow, which is sort of today when you talk about the timeline, um, when, when all of this was dropping and we just had an unbelievable amount of rumors cut off. So the original rumor, let's go back to Tuesday. The first one, you know, and, and this was when we were on the interview with Bernadette, um, which was uh, Wednesday, which was sort of also confirmed on Tuesday, which was what? 10 million barrels is coming out of Saudi and Russia. They're right. going to look elsewhere for yep. cuts from specifically the U.S., but then also there's going to be a group of nations that they would like to, and the goal is to get up to 20 million barrels cut. So that, you know, that's what the market is expecting as it's rallying up to what we saw at a $28 ceiling um, at least twice. That was the rumors that was driving. Hey, OPEC, specifically Saudi and Russia, are cutting 10 million barrels. Well, then guess what happens? Meeting OPEC via, you know, virtually, you know, social distancing. It was virtual. I, I, they probably weren't using Zoom though because of the security stuff. I wonder what they were using. Oh, that's a funny one. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what they were using for their virtual uh, OPEC meeting. That must have been a struggle though, trying to translate. I would, I would have. That would have been an interesting to have been behind the scenes on the virtual OPEC plus meeting. Um, I got nothing. I know. I just, I just think, I just think it's funny. So, you know, that's the stage that these, that, that, that oil price and these traders are looking at when they, when they expect the news to drop, they expect 10 million barrels cut from Saudi and Russia and they expect, you know, 15 to 20 from everybody else. Well, what happens today is twofold. OPEC delegate gets leaked to the press. OPEC members agree to cut production by 23% in May and June. Saudi and Russia will apply 23% cut from, a mil, from an 11 billion, a million barrel per day base, which implies they're only cutting 8.5 million barrels or 1.5 million barrels less than they were already, than they were planning on. And they confirm they want to see 5 million barrels cut from non-OPEC members. Iran oil minister comes out and says there are two proposals for 10 and 11 million barrel cuts, but that really, that still keeps Saudi and Russia under that 10 million barrel limit. And then at the last minute, Mexico tried to throttle it all. And this is, I mean, this is where literally, you know, we're at like three, four lives lived by now. All of a sudden Mexico starts threatening to pull out and pull the plug on this whole thing by saying they're just going to continue to ramp up production and not going to agree to any cuts. I mean, they were chopping. They, you, we were, I was getting to the end of my rope here coming up, and, and I was really waiting to finish the outline until all of this news could drop. Um, and, and really, you know, what it ended with, um, with, uh, with Mexico right here. You know, reportedly, OPEC members have convinced Mexico to agree to production cuts. All OPEC press members are now on board with the cuts. Mexico reportedly threatened to withdraw after refusing cuts, may abstain from voting on the deal. OPEC ministers are still trying to convince Mexico to cut 4,000 barrels a day. So that was, the, that was what Mexico was threatening, 4,000 barrels a day. Finally convinced them. I mean, it was, that was about the end of my rope. I was sweating in my seat as the Clizzle closing bell was coming up. And it, it was unbelievable. I was, it, I, I have no, you know, it, unbelievable. And that's all I got to say about that. Whew. I mean, let me just add this in there, Michael. What did what did Olivier teach us, or what is his gig? NAPEC. 
Here's Mexico. I was on the phone with some Canadian clients today. They want to secede from Canada. Any oil company wants to just secede and become part of the U.S. because of the Canadian government's lack of support. Well, why don't we have NAPEG? Why don't we buy our heavy from Canada and Mexico? Let's do our own trading. Let's have NAPEG instead of OPEC. Maybe that's what Trump is uh, considering in his secret meet. Maybe that's exactly what Trump's considering. Maybe that's what he's got. Maybe you're ahead of your time. But uh, so that that's really the news. And, you know, you saw two levels this week, $28 uh, get hit twice, both one at the lower mark, 28.28, and then the cap this week at 28.92. That was, again, off the rumor. News comes out, just depresses it. Um, you know, really the other, you know, the other big news is, you know, the market is now, you know, because, um, you know, based upon these rumors that dropped today, you know, April 14th now becomes really D-Day for, um, you know, Texas. Um, They're hoping to cut 10% of their production and that would fall in line with what OPEC is expecting because OPEC came out today and said on top of the cuts that are a little less than what we already thought, we're expecting the U.S. to do the full 5 million. And the majority of that's got to come from Texas. And so this sets up really a battle of the Titans. Pioneer and Parsley, the original people who sent the order, you know, sent the request into the uh, Texas CR or the Texas Railroad Commission in order to see if they can reenact appropriation or proation, which is basically yep. setting production volumes on what they can produce. Um, two majors, well, I, you know, I should say one was a former major, one currently is a major, Oxy and Exxon um, are really screaming, let the market decide. You know, Oxy from a standpoint of they, they have production volumes they have to hit or else their $40 billion of debt gets called quick and they're in chapter 11 and underwater. <laughs> almost a year after acquiring Anadarko, it would be almost, it would be a catastrophic collapse. And I promise you if that happens, I'm going to do like a documentary series overlaying this entire process like it's a six-part series at least we could dive into so that's really what i'm looking for you know off these opec plus meetings is what does this battle happen to are there more companies that come out pro or for or against production cuts who are they what are their motives and what ultimately happens the 14th and then obviously the vote is then the 20th so we'll see what happens there as far as levels for the week Oh my, I mean, there's a lot of levels because oil was at its worst $22.51 at its maximum, like I mentioned, was $28.92. So currently we're at $23.19, which is on the lower end of that scale. If you're a bull and next week you think OPEC, or excuse me, you think the U.S. is going to come out and cut and cut production and maybe cut production more on a national level, if you're like Stu and you think Trump has something up his sleeve, which he just might, well, really, you've got four levels I'm looking for and, and, and more like two. I think 2485 is your first level, which is the top half of that really intense volume chunk that spans 2352, which is about the level we're trading at now, all the way up, like I said, to 2485. Huge chunk of volume. I wouldn't be surprised if that's where we hung out all week. If we get above that level, I think we run up to 2665, though, and as our next level of resistance, especially if you're a bull. Huge, huge volume chunk that skirts out right away. Jet, uh, it's the point of control for the entire entire week. So point of control is where the most volume, which is basically the most amount of shares are traded at what price level, point of control for the week. So I love that level. And it's really isolated. If you're looking at the charts right now, which I'll make sure to put in the show notes, big, big, big chunk of volume right there. Top end of our levels, 28, 28. Um, you know, if you're an insane bull, you could see the, see it getting up there. That's really going to be off. There's going to be some new, there needs to be new rumors. I think, I don't think the market um, has enough 
pulse just with if, 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 if the rumor, if the news matches the rumor, I don't even think we still get up to 28, 28. There's got to be some new information that drops, I think, to get us up there. But if you, know, if you do think that the, 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 the news is going to stack up to the rumors, like I said, 24.85, 26.55, those are my first two levels. If you're a bear, 23.50, you know, two is, you know, 23.50, like I mentioned, is the pivot point right now. Currently, we're trading at, at, at 23.19, but, you know, really the, that 23 and a half mark is a pivot from the downside 22.50, I think, is your next target, and then 20.39 if you're an insane bull. You know, if you get Eric St. Bear, excuse me, if, you, if Texas doesn't come out and cut production, I mean, we'll see 19 bucks. You know, we, we had $17 lined up, you know, a week, week and a half ago before some of this OPEC news came out. So if, if there's some failed agreements on the U.S. part, I think we can expect probably to see that number go down a little more. As far as the EIA numbers are concerned, crude stocks, you know, up this week, 15.2 million barrels compared to last week, which was uh, – um, 9.5 million barrels. Um, gasoline stocks were up uh, 10.5 million barrels. Distillates uh, only up 0.5 compared to 0.1. Uh, utilization was down to its lowest percentage, 75.6%, which is as low as September 2008, which is the height of the stock market. Um, but really, if, if you're a trader, and this is what I've said on the digital closing bell on Wednesday, and I wanted to just talk about it more here, was if you're trading EIA, um, inventory days, which 8.30 Mountain Standard Time. I love trading oil uh, um, order flow, specifically on DOE trading, because specifically when those numbers come out, a lot of computers love to get in and trade those numbers. So if you can ride the order flow wave correctly, let the, let the bot sort of that initial pulse get out of the way, catch the rise or catch the fall based upon whether it was a hit or miss. Love trading on that. But again, we don't give investment advice. You can choose when to trade or when not to trade. Doesn't matter to me. But if you do choose to, at this point, do not look at crude inventory levels as your main source for what, what the market's going to do right at 8.30. What you need to be looking for is domestic crude production. Big heavy traders, they're looking for, and what computers are going to be looking for now, is the week-to-week -week crude production, and they want to see a draw. And so this week, we saw a 6,000 barrel or 1,000 barrel a day week-to-week -week draw, which is our largest drop since 2019, and I expect that to continue to happen. And if you're trading DOE, that's what you need to look for, domestic crude production. Stocks are going to go crazy. They're going to be wildly above one day, wildly below. Now, if it's below, maybe. That, that, that would be good. If estimates were to, that, that if it's lower than estimate, than estimates and specifically below, lower than the API, yeah, you might, you know, definitely take that into account. But if, if, if crude is overstocked, I, you know, not to be corny or pun intended, but I don't take much stock in it because I really think what traders are looking for is the, is the crude production on a week to week basis. Um, and, and, and so, I, so, so that's what I'm looking for at the EIA level. And that's really sort of the week at oil. You know, if you really want to see, you know, we'll, we'll be back on uh, Sunday for a Monday podcast to get you guys sort of ready for the week. So I won't get into my thoughts too much next week. I've got, I, I, I got a rant Sunday. I have to get off my chest. So I'm saving that. Uh, we'll make sure the coffee is the coffee levels high for that. Cause I got to get it's, it's, it's large and we'll definitely get into it with Nick Barry as well. We'll talk to him at the end. Um, but right now what I want to get into is our company to watch, um, which is um, uh, Apache for the week. Again, courtesy of our favorite anonymous tipster, Tomcat. We got to do a special shout out because he gives us Fang last week and crushes it exits Tuesday 
of this week, which it was, I think it was a 10, 12% increase is probably when he exited. I was watching it and trading it myself as I would if I was in his same position. So I, I, I you know, I bet you it was 10 to 12%. He was up. He did more than double his money. And that's what we like to see on this podcast. And this week, he's got another suggestion for it. It's Apache. Why, why is it, Stu? Well, the charts. Uh, charts turned Tuesday, confirmed Wednesday, and we're seeing it happen. So Tomcat's dead on right again. And to take you inside Tomcat's mind, because if you are a – specifically if you're a um, trader, I want to I just quickly, if you're on YouTube, I'm going to share my screen. Um, if you're listening to this via podcast, I'm going to do my best to explain, but I really highly recommend you take a look at this link I'm about to put out. It's to tradingview.com. It's an open source trading platform. And what's really cool about this platform is that I can share a link with you and you can go in and interact with the charts that I create. And so it's open source. It's completely free. You can just create a free account and you'll be able to see my charts. Even if you don't have an account, you can still see the charts. You just won't be able to interact with it. And so if you're on YouTube and you're watching this, what Tomcat is looking for is moving averages crossing each other. He's looking for a couple things. He's looking for moving averages crossing each other. He's looking for MACD, which is turning around right here. And he's looking for some, some RSI turning around right here. The big thing that he's looking for, and this is just a guesstimation, so we might have to get him on with a voice changer um, at one point to confirm, but what, he's, well, what, what my guess he's looking at is he's looking at a long-term swing trade, which is obviously not over the next two, three days, which is probably a week to two-week trade, specifically on Apache, is the 200 crossing the 50-day moving average. It's one of the largest institutional signals on the planet. If a trader saw this and he was at an institution and he was trading a large index fund, he would buy this stock now and hold it until these two crossed again. It's one of the best entry exit. It doesn't always work, but it's a very low risk, very decent reward style trade. And if you're a swing trader, I love looking at it. And specifically, he looked at volume, big, big, big was getting traded, which means there's a lot of people interested in the market. Upside, I think, is fairly, you know, you know, for the next, you know, week or so, I really like. Um, so on a swing trade perspective, which is, you know, we, um, that's what we're looking for. And along that note, we have to take a little side note here. Um, we had a really great um, um, anonymous tipster last week. Again, not Tomcat. We're going to label, we'll label this guy analytics guru. We'll figure out a name. We'll call him analytics guy for now. But he dropped a really, really great research. He dropped his first his, his, his Python script, which I checked out and is unbelievable for looking at some of the trading buy sell signals. This is stuff that's used on Wall Street, high level stuff here, folks. And then he dropped some very interesting information evolving, uh, talking about the insolvency of some of, of, some of these uh, companies. And he confirmed what I had been believing was while in the end, um, and he was basically bullet or bearish on Fang and was, you know, basically disagreeing with Tomcat. And I think we're the compute and, and, and basically showed statistics where Diamondback is not one of the 10 companies that are going to going to stay around with us, that they're dead. And that is an interesting, you know, I love the research and I actually, I, he, I'm actually slowly convinced, but you know, initially what I want to, you know, clarify is when we talk about swing trades, I'm a day trader by nature, which is 10 seconds in, 10 seconds out. When I talk about a swing trade, I'm one to two weeks maximum. Sometimes it's two days if the charts work out like Fang last week. Yeah, that might have been set up for a two-week trade. But if, if you hit your target, you know, if you enter a trade and don't have a, a target of what you're looking to, you're, you're not, yep. you should stop. And find out where your entrance point is and set targets because you should not just buy and, and hope, you know, even if you're day, even if you're trading for long, long term, set some levels because you never know what the market's going to do. That's my, that's a pro free tip of the day from Michael. If you're going to enter a trade, 
make sure you have a target mapped out. It's, it's, it's essential to a trading plan and I promise you it'll help. So um, when, when we get back to Apache, this swing trade, I looked one to two weeks, see this thing run up 11, 12 bucks. I know the entrance point was probably very good. He's probably in it anywhere between 9.50 and you know, 9, maybe 8.70, which is a good value on this, especially because I think equities, especially energy equities, and when we'll get into this a little more on Sunday, I think they're set to run next week because the market's going to do very well. It's flush with cash. I'm seeing stimulus money get dropped all over the map. So what I don't like about Apache, though, is in the long term, I think they're in deep trouble. I think their balance sheet is, is in a state of decline. That's their technical analysis right here. Um, it ain't good. No, it's not good. But, hey, oscillators have a buy on Apache. Relative strength, average directional index. So, I mean, the technicals do give Apache in the short term. And we're talking about a one day right here. You know, if we want to go do. out a month, it's a little it's different. It is not there. It's a strong sell on long-term, one week. Yep, 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 yep. So, you know, from a perspective, and I'll go ahead and bring it back to me. That's what I'm, you know, Apache, I think is, in the long run, I think doomed. Now, in the short run, I think you can make a little bit of money on it because I think, enter, like I said, energy equities are going to be back. But short-term, it'll be interesting. You know, I think Tomcat's going to make some cash here, but we'll make sure to check in next week. And if you guys have any picks, that you would like or have any tips you'd like to drop to the show, please, 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 please reach out to either me or Stu, mtanner at entercominc.com. I'll drop it all in the comments. Wild week. And, and, and I think that's, that's really all I've got for this show. I, I, you know, do you have anything else that we, that we forgot? And Newsdex, what crazy, can you show every, well, two things we need to show everybody the research you've got. Um, if, if you're not watching this on YouTube, regularly, I, he showed me this this morning. It's papers on papers of just uh, the, the desk is, is crazy. Hey. I'm a digital guy. You ought to see my digital stuff, but I'm, I'm over here. It is so I'm neck deep in it. Yeah. Um, and I need an up, I need an update on the, the, the mileage on the trainer. What are we up I to? 30 miles. I was so frustrated with all this market and all this news. I'm going to go do another 30. I'm going to hit probably 120 by Saturday. So. Woo! Um, hey, Michael, again, thank you for letting me on the show. B, you are hitting your numbers. Uh, the feedback I'm getting, uh, everybody's really positive, and your knowledge of the industry is coming through. So thank you very much, Michael. Yeah, no problem. I really appreciate all the all the great feedback, and and really, if, if anyone is interested in, in coming and in, and you know, Sandstone, you know, the uh, is is a proud sponsor of the show. But if anyone is looking to get a partnership and do up on a sponsor, I would love to talk with you guys about how we can get a sponsorship set up. Um, you know, the reach of the show has been unbelievable, and the outflow of support I've had from everybody is awesome. And we're just gonna keep it going. There's gonna be more content coming. So I think with that. I'm going to go ahead and let you guys finish up your beautiful Good Friday because you're listening to this. I appreciate you taking time out of the day when the market's closed to update yourself on what's going on. And we will see you guys on Monday morning with an outlook on what's going to happen this week in crude. Happy Easter.